you are rooted to the tree of universal superpowers. Every creature on this planet is power-packed with its own magic, just like you. The chameleon can see 360 degrees around its own body, which I feel like I've experienced in certain plant medicine situations with a little thing called sananga coming into my eyeballs, but that's a different story. The dung beetle can pull up to 1,000 times its body weight. The turtopsis jellyfish, or however, however you say that, the immortal jellyfish, otherwise known as, reverts to juvenile form after mating. That means that once it mates, it biologically reverts back to its juvenile form, grows back up again, and then mates again, and continues the cycle, thus creating an immortal cycle. Insane. Shaggy ink cap mushrooms can push their way through asphalt. So you, you are the master creator, capable of doing and being anything that you wish, using the magic gifted to you by the universe. So it's time to car pay that motherfucking DM, you in the universe, sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S. I-N-G. I am Heath Armstrong, and this is Never Stop Peaking. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt? You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon. While your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, make it milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Ooh, ladies and gentlemen Boys and girls and everything up and down and in between because tranny panties are the same as regular panties. I am so excited for today. I'm pumped that you're here. It's a really special episode that I'm excited to share and I'm not going to do too much purging on the introduction because there's a lot to pack out with the actual episode today. I did want to share a little passage from Alan Watts out of the spirit of Zen in relation to the conversation that we have on this episode and the fact that Jared, um, who is part of this episode, Jared and Gaza, he was also on episode two, um, go back and check that out, was wearing an Alan Watts shirt. And in the, the chaos that the world is experiencing with 2020, And where I'm currently at in Oregon, it's just smoked out because of these masses of wildfires that are, that are spinning around. Um, It's easy for us to get into depressions and fear mindsets and aggressions and start taking it out on people around us, start being stern and, and angry towards people that we normally wouldn't have conflicts with. And 
it's it's really beautiful to understand that all of this starts to blossom from within. And it's something that we must remember because if you cannot learn to step into your shadow and feel it and let it pass, let all of the the, the traumatic things that are happening, let all of the unsettling feelings come up and feel them. Because if you don't, you're going to suppress them, you're going to hold them down, and they're going to start trying to get their energy out in ways that end up in forms of aggression or anxiety or panic or fear. And it's best to just let them come to give them their space and to let them clear so that you can make space for better things. This is a passage from the book. A man may be free to travel where he likes, but there is no place on earth where he can escape from his own karma. And whether he lives on a mountain or in a city, he may still be the victim of an uncontrolled mind. For man's karma travels with him like his shadow. And it is indeed his shadow, for it has been said, man stands in his own shadow and wonders why it's dark. I should have let Chase read this in his Alan Watts voice because it's pretty perfecto. Um, He's on the episode again. He's on the episode also today with Jared. So we have a three-way going, a little stractivity uh, three-way. And the conversation is going to get deep. Last night I was diving a a bit into Viktor Frankl, who was remarkably one of the most arguable, arguably impressive um, examples of how to control your mind no matter what kind of pain you're going through as he was locked up uh, during World War II in concentration camps. If you're not familiar with him, he's got some amazing books that you can read. But some of his quotes are, everything that can be taken from a man, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And another one is, we are no longer able to change a situation. We are challenged to change ourselves. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And he's got so many of these that are just incredible. Um, But it's kind of a good precursor to get into this episode where I have Jared and Chase on. Chase is the founder of Matterful.co. You can check him out there. He's got Oh, fuck. 100,000 fanboys following him around all the time on YouTube. He makes these really, really cool videos. I've had the honor to learn a lot of things about internet marketing and media from him over the years. Um, but not recently until, but not until recent was it actually in person. I look at him with uh, awe a lot of times because he has this just brilliant fucking creative mind and it goes and it goes and it goes and it very inspires me to let mine go and to not filter myself because he does a really good job of that. But I know in that creativity, there's a lot of hardship trying to understand how you fit um, and what to do with your creativity and your energy to actually bring it to life and make it useful. It's an honor to have him on the show today with Jared Angaza, who, as you all may know, if you've listened to previous episodes, was a stranger that I met on the plane in 2009 that basically activated my life to become something much more than I was, which was getting into working in the concrete construction industry um, and building out sort of a very unhappy 
I don't want to say miserable, but I felt miserable, you know, uh, existence of, of feeling lost and stuck like a lot of us get. And these two actually, because I had connections to them for many years separately, they didn't know each other until a couple years ago when Jared, we we get into how they met on the episode, but um, Jared's doing a, a lot of incredible work with Space for Humanity. I don't know if you've seen, if you go follow him on Instagram and I'll post their, both of their Instagrams in this uh, show notes. But if you go to your podcast app and look down at the notes, you should be able to get to them. Um, Space for Humanity is an unbelievable company and they are bringing in all of these different astronauts and brilliant people that are involved in the space industry to work towards a goal of taking humans to space to look back at Earth, but also to protect the Earth um, and to make advancements into space travel. He did a call not too long ago with had one of my childhood heroes, Bill Nye, the science guy on it, which is really, really exciting. Um, and every time Chase or Jared puts something out, I pay attention because it's fucking brilliant. And they have a lot of wit. They have a lot of humor, but they're also very direct. And I'm just honored to have them on today. So, so in this episode, we talk a lot about the experience of stepping into something powerful like plant medicine and all of the different legs that are involved with it, the sacredness of it, the initiation of it, the importance of the community aspect and the sacredness and importance of, of integration and how the work starts really after you get involved. We're not urging anyone to go do this type of thing, but it has landed into all three of our paths And I wanted to bring Jared on to open up the conversation about his recent experience with ayahuasca and have Chase on as well um, to explore and kind of co-host that with me. Because there's something really magical that happens when we we all three dip the sticks together, if you know what I mean, man. Um, But there is a, a really strong interconnectedness in the community of medicine in the circle, the sacred circle. And we're all in this together, collectively, consciously, in support, in suffering, in trauma. And we get into the very snaky and insecty side. And we get into the transformations and the, and the, um, the purging and the graphics of all the things that went down in Jared's recent experience and some other experiences that we've had. And it all leads to rite of passage. It all leads to the hero's journey, um, the hero with a thousand faces, all of the different angles that we face in life and in development and into death. And yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and cut into the episode because it's, it's really intense and I hope you enjoy it. I'll have these goons back on for some more episodes in the future please share it with everyone that you know if you think it's a good fit and if you haven't already leave me a review on itunes or stitcher or google play or wherever you are whatever you're doing you know if you're playing it on your mom's record player just put some lipstick on and look at yourself in the mirror maybe draw some shapes across your bare chest rub some baby oil all over your body And then just kind of press your breasts up against the top of the record player to let your mother know that you were there listening to this podcast so that she might put it on herself 
and end up in a lipstick and baby oil frenzy that we can all admire and touch and nourish. All of the show notes, heatharmstrand.com forward slash podcasts. You can put your nipple clips on. You can listen. For now, I'm going to play a very special song from my friend Karen. And you can find it on Spotify. You can actually grab the link in the show notes below whatever podcasting app you are using or on the website as well because um, she's quite amazing and her voice will sedate you. And then we'll get right into the show. So, ta-ta! start talking without laughing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Good way to start. This is a really and truly an honorable time for me because you both have played such insanely important roles in my upbringing into the media world, the online world, uh, getting away from my job and things like that. While Jared, of course, we met on a plane in 2009. Um, you can go back and listen to that whole story on episode two of this podcast, which I think is still the most downloaded episode that I've ever put out. And it's not surprising given in the title, there's like imprisonment in Rwanda and sacred energetic entities or whatever, whatever hell else is in that title it's meeting, you know, strange vibes on a plane. Um, but five years or so after I met Jared on the plane and we both really hadn't like reconnected too much yet. We'd been in touch a little bit, but we were both going through some things. I started to learn how to create the life that I wanted to live via various platforms online. One of those platforms was Sir Chase's fizzle, which seems so fucking long ago, man. But and I know you didn't know at the time how impactful that was, but I think about it all the time. Like I was a member of that forum and I learned a lot of things, but most importantly, listening to the way that you podcast, it actually allowed me to figure out how to find my own voice mm. to speak legitimately, whatever's coming through your head as a creative and not to try to structure it like the Dumas type style stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's an honor to have you both here. It was really strange after that, just a couple years after I did leave my job and, and start creating businesses and stuff, I still didn't know Chase personally, but Jared, what, what did you, you run it out Jared's sister's Airbnb or some shit in Nashville and you connected. Is that yeah. how it went down? Yeah, that's right. And, and we rented out his sister's Airbnb in Nashville and 
<clears throat> kind of the rest is history, but that's how we connected. And then you had met him on the plane a couple of years previously or something. And so next, you know, you were staying at our place where we were staying with Jared and his family in San Diego. How are you going to meet my friend? He's really cool. I met him on an airplane. <laughs> In, in, in Nashville, I happened to be in Nashville. Ashley, my sister, happened to be passing through Nashville when Chase was staying at her house. It was like all this, these things that just cosmically aligned. And then Ashley was like, yeah, so I was at our house. There's some people staying there. You're going to want to meet them. <laughs> and, and it was just like that. And I was like, all right, well, you know, and then I think it was a few days later and you know, mm. Chase and I were walking off into the woods hand in hand, um, yeah. probably smoking a spliff. Doing some yeah. strag stuff. Dude, you yeah. you sent me a message or maybe we talked on the phone or something. Um, and you you said like, Oh, I met this really cool dude. His name's Chase. I'm going out to San Diego. We're thinking about living together. And I was like, damn, seems like Jared really found some some nice strag meat <laughs> on. But then I think I don't know, <laughs> Do people I, know I think, about strag on your podcast. <laughs> I think you said Chase Reeves. I don't know. Maybe you dropped the last name or something. And I was like, no, fucking surely it's not the same Chase. There'd be way too many. I mean, it would just be so crazy. At, at the time, happen. I didn't really know. I think I, I think I probably, I kind of remember. I was like, ah, it's Chase Reeves. As far as I know, he's like some some sort of element of fame. But, but I don't know. <laughs> I've been looking for a long time and hadn't paid attention. I missed the whole Fizzle movement. Which, by the way, I got into later at that time. I started listening to Fizzle then. But um, yeah, I came in with no fanfare. You were just some dude staying at my sister's house. Um, mm. And then, and I kind of liked that entry point. We, we were just two dudes hanging out. Um, yeah. But I, I almost never meet people that I remain friends with who had any sort of encounter with my, my work previous to meeting me. It's like, I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me, right? It's that whole, whereas it's, it's just- I feel the same way about myself. Because I, I do not, yeah, it's like to me, it, like, like I love that I got to do Fizzle and I still, <clears throat> pardon me, I still like, I mean, it was, a, it was it, we got to teach thousands of people how to attempt to build their own business, how to do something that they care about for a living, how to try to monetize creative and inspiring ideas for themselves, right? Just learn the tools and the technology of the web. Um, and because what's, what's, what's behind the web? It's just people, right? It's people uh, at best or Russian bots trying to hack elections, one of the two. But, <laughs> the, but the, like, the meeting people in, in real life, is, it's very rare for me that I'll run into someone who, that I meet people who, who like there is a very small niche group of people who have, who like might've listened to maybe even thousands of hours of, of our fizzle show podcast. Cause we just did a lot of, we did, it's still going now, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I'm also, I'm also personally kind of far from that stage of my life right now. Um, not teaching people how to, how to run a business because I, I frankly, I don't know if I feel very qualified to do, to do that. You know, it's like, it's like, I should have never been given the keys to that car. <laughs> but, but I do think like Heath, it means a lot to hear you say that it, it, you know, watching me or listening to me do my thing on the fizzle show being inspirational to, to figure out how to do your thing. It's like, yeah, that's, that's like the story of my life as someone who's taken in content is I am just gobbling stuff up that makes me feel like I could just do it my way or I could just be me or, or, you know, 
like I'm just gobbling up content still to this day. I mean, start and then that J- Jared just sent me the Dune trailer, and I swear to God, I never wanted. I tweeted this. I was like, I never wanted to escape out of my life into something so bad as today when like all the states that I have lived in are on fire and my family is a refugee like crew at my parents house who are basically trying to re figure out all the things that we were planning uh, like like we were absolutely we were totally planted and ready to ready to dive in now we're like totally reconsidering everything i'm like oh god i would love to watch that movie right now <laughs> just like, what is it what is it dune is did you send that to me it's dude the, I, thought, well, I thought i did send, i thought i sent it to both it, of you is it like the futuristic uh oh, bro if you haven't read the dune books, Chase if you have not read the dune books heath <laughs> no, Bird, I haven't. holy crap man really it's the first book and then you have if you the third book's real real good the second book's kind of hard to get through it's only worth doing if you're gonna do the third i was so into this guy after the first book frank herbert the writer i was like dude this is so dope and one of my favorite documentaries of all time is called Yodorowsky's Dune. Yodorowsky with a J. Yodorowsky I watch that with you at your parents' house where you are right now. That's right. <laughs> His name That's- is Herbert. <laughs> so anyways, that, that documentary has been made by the guy who made Drive, that Ryan Gosling film. That, oh, yeah. that documentary was made. That film. And this Dune, this Dune is being made after that Yodorowsky's Dune right where they did an amazing job pulling out all the, like showing you the story of this incredible Mexican art house film director who's who ends up seeing what's his name's original dune which was made by like what's his, what's his name who, who made their 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 early dune with sting in it and stuff um, oh, I, shoot, I, I don't even know. Sting was in it. That's amazing. Sting was in it, and he saw that Yodorowsky saw this movie. He's like, "It was terrible." He's <laughs> like, "This." I was glad because this was supposed to be my movie. Anyways, the point being, this you know, trailers all trailers are always good, and this is one of my favorites. It was Lynch, David Lynch. That's right. Yeah, I don't know why David we didn't Lynch pull that up. It was, it was Lynch. He's oh, a fantastic filmmaker. Yeah. Supposed to be good, and I'm watching it, and I'm smiling because it's shit. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta watch Yodorowsky's Dune. Anybody who's making creative stuff for a living, to me, it's an experience. It is the Bible of like a you know ninety minute film on how creative projects both work and don't work, dude. The project that he had for that movie was phenomenal. Like. Pink Floyd was playing some of the music for one of the families. Salvador Dali oh, was we in talked on about the film. <laughs> we <laughs> had a conversation about this oh, the night dude. that we spent in Mount Adams. I it, remember yeah, now. That's right. You went off about it. It's so good. Anyways, the point being, uh, like, I'm gobbling up content still to this day, and, and it's just like stuff kind of comes out the other end, you know, and that's what yeah. the Fizzle Show podcast was. That's what my YouTube channel is right now. That's uh, that's how I I feel like making content. And to be honest, I am still in that. Like, you really hit a nail on the head for me. That like, how much do I plan it out and think it through, my my creative work, and how much do I just let it flow, you know? And so like, maybe I can try to find maybe maybe there's there's some sort of connection to that in in talking about medicine ceremonies, because because like in a medicine ceremony, you you just like. <laughs> You, like you don't get to decide how it's going to go at all. It just happens to you. I have very limited experience with medicine ceremonies, but I'm, you know, 
your podcast, your podcast, Heath, but I'm interested in, in hearing about Jared's recent one. How, before we, we're, we're going to talk about ayahuasca and we've had a lot of exchanges of conversations about this medicine in our boys groups, right? Or our Stractivity Fest and things like that. Mm-hmm. Jared and I have talked about it pretty in depth on my podcast, on his podcast. Uh, you both are doing incredibly creative things and both of you being in a different position of having to, I mean, you have a lot of responsibility, right? You have families, you have children. Uh, I'm just hanging out over here in my undies You're just the king by myself, boy. which I could have never gotten to this point without, you know, both of you being inspirations the way that you are. I specifically remember driving around these ridiculous towns in Eastern Kentucky and seeing dudes in their undies holding shotguns and shit. Like what the fuck you doing up here in this holler and being legitimately scared and wondering like, how did I get here? Um, and using creative things that were coming out of both of you as inspiration to move forward, whether it was stuff you were doing with your dad, Jared from wisdom meets passion, uh, that book. And then obviously fizzle stuff. I remember there was a dude in the fizzle forum who posted a picture of a post that Jeff Bezos made in another forum that he was with him in when Amazon was just getting started. And it was like, there was that direct connection from some dude who was in your forum who had just been in a forum with, with Jeff Bezos when he's starting Amazon. So there's like these little tiny seeds that explode. Mm. A couple of days ago, you messaged us and said, your boy was trapped at his school in between these fires. And that was fucking scary, man. Yeah. And like, thankfully was evacuated and you were able to, to switch, but you were talking about flow, which is something that I've been heavily leaning into, especially since sitting with ayahuasca and cleansing myself and, kind of expanding what, what, what it means to be interacting in this, this world of what we can see and what we can't see. Right. Yeah. And, um, you made the decision to flow back down towards where you're at right now and not stay in that Southern Oregon area. Jared is making some serious decisions with flow right now, but it's been in and out of medicine ceremonies. And I do, I do want to get into that. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you both like how you're how you're coping with the craziness and just the idea of responsibility and family life and how you use flow um, to keep you guiding instead of like freaking out and shitting your pants and not knowing what you're doing and losing your mind. I mean, I know you said you were losing your mind earlier, Chase. It's, yeah. not, a, it's not a surprise, but it you gone. also handle it really well, right? It's gone. Well, because like, honestly, when, like, like when you're, you know, when if you've ever experienced really intense trauma, like things that you cannot control, and and you you realize that, I swear this is so silly, but some of the some of the best advice I ever got in my life was from Mark Marin on one of his podcasts back in the day. I used to be a real big WTF show listener, and he would he was talking with someone about some bad drug trip, and and he was just like, it's one of those it was one of those trips you knew you were just fuck man, we're just gonna have to ride this out. <laughs> Something about that just yeah. stuck in my in my head. And man, there's been some traumatic experiences that I've lived through where where honestly the only voice in my head is just like, dude, you're gonna have to ride this out. Like like that's just the decision I had I had to make when my son's in a fire and and I was actually down here in the Bay Area and he was safe. We knew he was safe and he was good and we knew that the firefighters knew where he was and if they needed to, they would be able to ex- like do a, an air evacuation or whatever. My wife was up in Ashland, Oregon, boots on the ground with our three year old daughter, just like what do I do? She was, she was great. She was strong and she was, she was fine. But like, it's like, you know, your partner, your life partner is the one you bring your like 
you don't need to be strong for, <laughs> you know? So I was down here powerless, like with my dick in my hands, just being like, what can you do? Right. And, and we lost a, we lost a baby, dude. We lost a baby in full-term labor, powerless, totally powerless. That was, I'm still like, I'm still trying to unpack, you know, let, let like release layers from that, but that kind of powerless, we're just going to have to ride it out. That is a different kind of flow. You know, you're not, it's not that same kind of Superman, like, well, what is the world that I want to see happen? It's more of a surrender flow, right? It's surrender because we're actually in a dance with something, man. Like we're like, you, you really aren't, you really aren't the thing. You know, you're just this tiny little kinky little boy. Right, so I'm just, just a stinky little boy. <laughs> kinky little stinky little boy, and it's that it's that like weird thing where where you're you're so significant, right? Like so much of the Christian tradition that I was that I came up in in high school and stuff, and I, and through college, like I was I was a real Jesus guy. I, I I mean Jesus and I still have a relationship, but it's like an open relationship. Like it, it Jesus is really in a major major way like a guru for me, right? Which is what ba- Baba Ramdas is guru was about he was like dude you guys have a guru jesus use your guru but the there's there's something in this sense that like you you both are really really significant and really really insignificant and uh you know as it plays with like ayahuasca ceremony or something or or any kind of those medicines it's like it's happening to you dude it's happening in you you're you're where this is going on and you might be connecting to to much bigger story than yourself. And my experience is, it's like there it's very, it can be kind of self-indulgent in a, in both a good way or a bad way. Maybe, I don't know, but that sort of focus when I'm sitting there like on my ass, cause I had a sprained ankle. My wife's calling me going like, um, your son is trapped in a fire. We don't know how to get to them. There's no way in or out. And it was like that for six hours. It's just this, like, you got to ride it out thing i don't know am i answering a question was there one i don't know <laughs> hey, hey, i'll man, add on to that by the flow. way yeah the, the thing that you know so aiden chase's kid is ended you know in this situation and then <clears throat> i think it was melissa actually that, that sent out the the group text you know Ooh. to the tribe i was in the middle of all kind of crazy shit with work and whatever i think i was in a meeting and i got the text i literally like immediately got like it hit me just in the moment and i just got emotional <clears throat> and my colleague said hey you want to take a minute <laughs> maybe call me back and i was like yeah so i said i just need to be with my family real quick and we went down and we had a little prayer circle with the kids and blah 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 but dude i mean that thing lasted however many hours it lasted and, mm-hmm. and in the unknown of you know and we're all you know imagining what everybody's going through and so on and so on but that one event with your kid, not mine, but yours being out there. And then the, all of the ripple effect that happened throughout our entire community for about a six to eight hour period of him being trapped there and all the things that it brought up, the conversations that it brought up. Talk about interconnectedness, man. Yeah. One little blip like that and, and how it just sprawled out on our whole community. You know, and then by the time, you know, he was rescued, it's like everybody's just like, like there was like a wave throughout America where everybody went, Oh my God, he's, he's safe. but it was just, it speaks to our, our interconnectedness there. And that, um, uh, that sort of collective energy that we're carrying about the place as all this stuff happens, everybody's really raw. Like, I mean, it, for that to hit me immediately and then all of a sudden I'm so emotionally taken by it. 
I think that speaks to somewhat of the nature of where we're, we're all a little bit like, uh, you know, as things are going down, it's so chaotic. Mm. Um, so when something pops off like that, it was like, oh shit, no, 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 this can't happen. And, and obviously in light of you having already lost a child, that was something in my mind as well. Mm. But it was, yeah, just a, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm recognizing right now in this moment of rawness and this moment of ambiguity and mystery that everybody's going through together, it somehow connected me more emotionally to everyone in my, in my spectrum, I think more because I'm just in tune with it more. So, you know, and that's a bright side of, of chaos, I guess. Mm. It's leading to community, right? I mean, it shows yeah. the support and the community that is there and the importance of having that as we have all kind of been pulling into a direction and you know, I've spent some amazing times with Chase and wood saunas by creeks doing little dips um, in our undies. I've spent time recently with Jared on a boat in the middle of the flaming gorge. And in both of those situations and all the situations that we've had via San Diego and Portland, when you were going through selling your house, Chase, like, it was always that draw to more support and community, but in a situation like that, it shows up, right? You feel it and everyone's affected by it because you are kind of all one. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. That community piece is really big. I think there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of it. And I think there's probably a lot of people, there's probably some people who listen to the show Heath who are like, you know, you're, you're the community, you're a part of a big community for the, you're like a feel a community vibe. Right. Like I'm like that with Joe Rogan's podcast and the few like Duncan Trussell's podcast. Like I realized like when I'm four and a half hours into like <laughs> Joe Rogan talking to Duncan Trussell, I'm just like, these are my homeboys, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is the hang that I can't get. I don't have, I just, I don't like, I just don't have that hang in my life like this. Um, on the daily, on the regular, like regular enough or, or maybe even at all. And it's interesting how digital media, like you can actually, I mean, there's, we're really here, us three of us right, right here. And, and just through audio, like our presence is actually, I love audio. I mean, I've been an audio geek for a very long time because you can really capture the presence of a moment just through audio, like no video necessary, right? The sound of somebody's voice, the, the presence of like the emotion in it, the, the, like the how things go, you can get a real sense of who people are and what they're like just by listening to them speak about stuff, you know? Hello, little Chase. I'm watching you through your windows. <laughs> Thanks for the community. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel you. Yeah. All right. Well, Jared, where do we start, man? This is, I know this is like one of those those, I know how hard it is to take an experience, put it into words. You've been going through quite an insane amount of transitions in your life. And I know there's a lot of healing aspects that you were experiencing and leaning into. It's hard for me to believe that you actually had never sat with ayahuasca before. Um, I just feel like you're like this, like, like you are ayahuasca to me sometimes. Like when I'm in the zone, I'm like, oh, it's just Jared. Um, what... Do you have anything do you have anything significant not insignificant that would be a good starting point to talk about your experience? Yeah, I mean there's definitely a community discussion there uh that I did not expect from the ayahuasca experience. And 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 again I, I want to be clear that everything I'm speaking of is not a, a commentary on ayahuasca in general. Correct. 
anything I'm saying as a commentary on just a reflection on what my particular experience was one time with ayahuasca. So just to clarify, Mm -hmm. um, I, I felt that, well, if I could just skip ahead in the end, I came, I realized I was like, Oh wow, this, this was like 50% ayahuasca experience and 50% the set and setting and the group that I was in where I was on the earth, you know, and the, and the, um, the other, there were 16 people participating and seven uh, facilitators and then the shaman, all of which the, the, the facilitators and the shaman were uh, legit as they come. I, I was very grateful to be in their presence, all of them. The music was amazing, all the stuff uh, that they- Which is they, incredibly important that, for anyone listening that, that the set and setting and the support is there because if it's not, then it's, it can be a really uh, slippery slope. Yeah, you don't want to just find someone in an alley in Iquitos. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no. Which is like, they'll come find you. They're looking for you, right? It's like a, there's a, there's a, what's that Netflix show on wellness? Have you seen this yet? Uh, oh, I tell, it's in my queue for this weekend. Yeah, I saw it. You remember what the name of it is? I can't, it's, like Unwell or? Un, unwell, I think. Yeah, and there's an episode on ayahuasca that I thought was very fair and good. Right. I thought it was, it was, it was interesting because it's, 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 you know, you get, you don't, it's not a documentary about ayahuasca. You can go watch Vine of the Soul. You can go watch lots of stuff that's like very ayahuasca, like positive. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is much more like, why are white people doing so much ayahuasca? What is this doing? (laughs) Yeah. That's a good question. Doing to these people, to like the people this plant comes from. Like, what what is this doing? Like, like you get to have an interview with the farmer who grows. He's like, yeah, I started growing ayahuasca vines down in Peru because I can make more money making that than I can this other stuff. And he's just like, he's just a, he's an old dude, like an old farmer dude. Right, I kind of guy like my grandpa. Wow, yeah. I like really respect. You know what I mean. Yeah. So I like I I like you know I like getting some of the the real. I I think my my deep people that I've met in, in the ayahuasca people that like they all are very like they all were like we don't really know what's going on with ayahuasca right now, like we don't really we don't really know, and it's kind of scary. That's the only vibe I picked up, and and I have not spent a lot of time in it or whatever but to your point jared and heath like how this flows to you and and the people who are facilitating yeah. you are are just really really important it's just really it's it, it, like that's what i've one of the things i've learned about the medicine stuff is sometimes you just show up someplace and someone's in like a good buddy's just going like well i have this are we doing this <laughs> you're just like well shit man i, I don't know i guess jesus <laughs> like, you know? those moments happen too yeah <laughs> right where it's like it just it flows in and and it can feel really strange <laughs> that that ayahuasca might like something so far away uh would do that as well but how how the, this these kinds of things flow to you it really matters you know and you, it's just part of it, it will all play a role in what the experience is like so you you bring an open and a not and a, like a, an acknowledgement to like to it every step of the way you know because <laughs> it's your ass that's going to be on the ground in a little while <laughs> no, nobody else's ass is going to do it for you <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I mean, I had said no to ayahuasca a hundred times throughout the years where it, it came up and uh, there was a time I was pretty adamant about not even doing it unless it was in Peru or wherever the vine was coming from. Um, 
And then, you know, I am going through some rather significant transitions in my life, as you both know. And in that, I needed to, or, or had a, a, a heightened desire to, you know, get through that with a little more flow uh, and a little more understanding and a little, little less friction and pain and suffering that I was going through at the time. Um, so when it came up and it came through our mutual friend, um, and I, as you know, I've journeyed with him many times, probably more than any other human. I think about it. Um, but I immediately said, yes, I immediately felt yes. I immediately thought <clears throat> this is exactly what I need to do exactly when I need to do it. Um, I felt good about it. I went into it. Um, not a lot of, I mean, I, I, I've been plant medicine all the time, as you know, this is like a weekend thing for me, but I also, uh, this is a new one and it was something I have a lot of reverence for, you know, that for, from mama ayahuasca. Uh, and I didn't, and I just wanted to go into it with that frame of mind and that kind of reverence and respect as, as I would any other plant journey. But this one seemed a little bit heightened and it's with a group of people that I don't know. You know, I knew one guy there and that was it. Um, having that communal aspect of it, where everyone's journey, everyone in that room, it was part of my journey also. It's like we were connected through the vine. And I, I told Aaron, I, I felt like the vine dragged us collectively into this like womb of really deep suffering, it felt like at the time. Um, and I didn't realize how interconnected the experience was going to be. But you know, when you're sitting there next to some 250 pound six, three dude, that's hurling his brains into a, <laughs> into a bucket, you know, while he's dealing with the pain of not knowing how to deal with his autistic son that beats himself, you know, all the time and has to be restrained. And like, there's like heavy shit going on in the room. You can't be next to that and not have it be part of your journey, you know? Um, so, recognizing that that was really interesting for me being the guy that talks about interconnectedness all the time, the overview mm. effect and Ubuntu and all that stuff. And I was like, Whoa, shit, I'm in the most interconnected plant medicine journey I've ever been in. Yeah. A lot of times with us, you know, we, we're, we're in our own space, you know, you meet chase, whatever we're like in Mexico, maybe one person's in the house and someone's on the cliff or someone's down by the ocean. It's not quite as communal. We have our community aspect, but this was really like, this is a new level for me uh, of, of sort of interaction with the group as I'm going through the journey. Were the people talking uh, like were that was that uh, you knew about this gentleman's story because of what he was sharing beforehand uh, and, and on the fringes around the ceremony. Yeah. Not okay. in the ceremony, but um, I, you know, I'm looking at him and seeing him go through this stuff and thinking, oh, by the way, he's former Mormon. So he had that going on too. More man than uh, you. Hey, um, <laughs> not to use that. Uh, so he he was going through all that. So I'm sitting there looking at him, knowing he's going through this shit, and and you know I'm sitting over there with Aaron or whatever, and, and on our little mats, and thinking, wow, I I'll never know that kind of pain that yeah. that dude's going through, um, and to know that we're suffering together and and so on. Um, I don't know. It just meant something more. I don't know how to put words around it. Necessarily. No, I totally get what you're saying. I totally, I, I mean, that, that's like going outside of the individual in some meaningful way. 
Yeah. That can be quite a transcend transpersonal, right? Transpersonal is a great, great word that I've heard like, you know, pastors and preachers like Rob Bell use uh, spiritualists and philosophers. Transpersonal psychology is a term that's used a lot. And I remember in, in my, uh, one of my nights of ceremony at ayahuasca, I, I just, I remember being at some point going like, I, I think I'm not in my sh- shit right now. I think I'm in somebody else's <laughs> shit, yeah. you know, just this sense of like, and then you, and I literally, like, I was just like, okay, I'm going to help this guy through this. I have no idea what it is. Yeah. I'm just like, and like, that's, I had a, I had a little, I had like a, uh, like a, a, just a cannabis and a little bit of tobacco the other day for the first time in a long time. And, and like, I, I, I have a ayahuasca journey coming up soon and I mean like the dieta of it now. One of the things I really like about ayahuasca is you are forced into this diet. And if you don't like live according to the diet on your way towards it, like you, that's in your head while you're sitting with the medicine. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, I, it was, I, I took it so seriously. I hung up cannabis for four days and the two of you know that that was the first four days in probably 20 years. <laughs> is that what you got was four days? Well, you know, oh, that's the best I could do, but I wanted to go in clean, you know, and, right. and Aaron was asking me, he's like, dude, you're not puffing. I was like, nah, dude, I'm going to go in clean. And I, and I stayed clean in for a day afterwards as well. So yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, that's one of the, my crew, the, the, the crew of shaman who are around the shaman who, who I did it with, they were like, dude, yeah, we, we found that ayahuasca does not mix very well with people who are regular cannabis users. And you want to give yourself some space between those two sort of spirits, I guess. But, uh, and, and I, I think I have something of, a, of an intuition about why, but I, I don't have much words about it. I don't know. I Graham, can't remember what I, what I was saying. Graham, Graham Hancock said he, you know, he gave up cannabis for a long period of time while he was going through intense ayahuasca yeah that's right his stuff in, uh, on the joe rogan episode where he was talking about that I, I i got i got i gleaned a lot from that because i can really put myself to sleep in my life with with cannabis as well as as like but it's such a i, I mean I, I didn't that's not why i started using cannabis I, I started exploring cannabis because it was doing the opposite you know, it was like stimulating and interesting and I'm in my body and like, holy crap, roll on a foam roller or do some yoga while you, while you get like, like after you're having a couple puffs of cannabis, it's like, wow, it's like multidimensional all of a sudden in my body. And, and, and yet then it, it then it, these, the things we love anyways, the dieta, like it forces, that's, that's a, that's a big part of this. And it, you, you want spiritual growth, dude, fast. Well, the more you cleanse going into a ceremony, the more you're preparing yourself to be an anchor for that community circle that you become one with, right? Like if I were to go climb a a mount, if I were to go climb Denali, which is intense, right? I'm not anywhere near that level, but if you're a guy who's going to climb Denali and you've done it before, you're taking a crew of four or five people up there with you. Every single one of those people, you better make the fuck sure is serious right? Yeah. Is showing up in their best self because one person at risk yeah. creates a, a risk for every single person there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's similar on a scale when you're going into an ayahuasca ceremony or any type of medicine ceremony, you are in that with everyone else. You will pick up what everyone else is going through and you do have to do your part to be an anchor and hold that space of what everyone's yeah. going through. Yeah. There's some psychic trash that's going to be spewed out of your mouth and your butt, the same as physical spew coming yeah. out of your mouth and your butt. Yeah. 
but yeah. everyone has to do their part. And of course, there is a lot of times where many people show up and they haven't done their prep part. So the more that you can cleanse yourself and the more that you can go through your diet, um, and even if it's giving up a lifelong relationship for four days, that's a huge thing, right? Because you're telling yeah. this medicine that you're serious oh, yeah. and that you want to be in it. Totally. Yeah. And because yeah. your biology is just like, you're, you're, you're going to know those, you're going to notice those four days. <laughs> I, I, I did. <laughs> and I, I literally like had that moment where I felt like I was having this communion with ayahuasca prior to getting in the room yeah. because of this hanging up of, of my relationship with cannabis, which you guys know it, my relationship with cannabis. We can talk about that if you want, but that, uh, I, I felt like that was part of my journey before I ever yeah. got in the room and yeah. that it was like this exchange that I had to say, look, I'm, I'm coming like this, right? I'm coming in like this, my diet, you know, my, you guys know my diet is pretty much the same diet that I would do for that anyway. And yeah. I, I, I've been fasting and I ended up by the time I left there, I hadn't eaten in like three days. Um, so that, but for me, I felt like that was, and I don't necessarily recommend that for everyone, but that, and neither did the shaman, but it worked for me because I'm used <laughs> to fasting all the time. Um, and I, and I really love the, the way my body feels when I'm fasting and, and it's very, very much a part of my, uh, my plant medicine journey. I'm, I'm almost always fasting when I go into a journey, uh, because I feel like I get that, um, I don't know. I just, I just get, get a better launch and, and I can stay in there longer and, and, and I feel like I can navigate the territory better when I'm not feeling other yeah. stuff in my body. Yeah. I had this like moment when recently it was, it was a little bit of cannabis and tobacco for the first time in a while. And, and I had this moment where I was almost like I was with my, cause the, the, the upcoming ayahuasca ceremonies on the brain where I was like with myself in the ceremony. And I like, I was like, oh, I need to encourage this guy right now. <laughs> like for some reason, I was just like, I was like, what? Are, what? Are, why do you know you belong on this planet? Like, what? What? Who are the people here who who uh, are grateful for you? Like, who are the people you are grateful for? Right? Like, what are like like just giving myself reasons why like you belong here? You know, right now, why you're right where you're supposed to be, and why. Not like why, what meaning belong here on the planet, you know, just cause I mean, ayahuasca and psychedelics and all this stuff. Listen, man, why this is interesting to me is cause I've had like a, almost a lifelong challenge with depression and anxiety. You know, it's like this sense of like, it's never enough. It's not like life is never good enough. My life is so good. Right. But it's just like, never going to be like, really? Like what, what is, what is this all of like, why can't you be satisfied? Why can't you be happy? What, what, or you can, but that, that journey, that's what has been interesting to me about plant medicines and psychedelics and meditation before that and yoga and just like learning to be present and in your space and just kind of like letting go of the future, letting go of the past. And, and so that's, what's brought me into, into the, the psychedelic stuff, but that sense of, that sense of time when you experience, like, I like that. This is the most, obviously, this is, obviously, this is the most recent ayahuasca journey that I will be taking. Is <laughs> the one that I'm just about to have that I haven't had yet. But I think of ayahuasca very seriously compared to, you know, some grams of dried mushrooms with your buddies or, you know, a hit or two of LSD and, and a conversation and, you know, headphones with some steely dan on on or something like that you know but 
the ayahuasca feels very serious to me because it's a very indigenous, it's a very indigenous medicine. It's a very, it really is brought to you by the people of these particular areas in the world. And that's something that like, I'm trying to be, trying to be uh, like conscientious about and respectful about in the, because like, you know, for me, I'm like, well, it should, it belongs to all of us now. Uh, I'll take that. Thanks. You I'll take, I'll take that too. And I'll have two of those. And if you could bring those by later, I don't want them now, but I do want them later. You know, it's like, it's that kind of like consumer mentality, that kind of the thing that we've done as Western sort of entrepreneurs, right? Exploited yes. resources. And, and this is like the same things happening. With you guys want to hear something crazy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just talking about safety on a mountain, depending on your crew. Mm. Remember when I was in San Diego and that guy got lost on yeah. Adams yeah. that I'd climbed with on Rainier, the dude who fell in the crevasse, yeah. which I've shared before on this show. Um, he probably shouldn't have been on the mountain. He put everyone's life at risk, essentially. He just sent me a text message. I haven't thought about that guy since he got lost on Adams. I mean, yeah. I mean I've thought about him, but I haven't talked to him. Didn't know well, he had my number. He it sends you a text through. message every time all three of us Every time we get together, he he contacts you. There's something. Yeah, so in he's that. in the loop, dude. He's in the, in loop. the loop. Like that's you want to talk about what like Wait a like, minute. This guy has never contacted me when I've been with you. No, Where are you yeah, getting no. that information from? You were at our I mean, place. We're at our place. When yeah, well, that was the ranger that contacted me because he was missing. <laughs> well, the ranger contacted you on his oh, well, behalf. Well, he, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, well, he sent a message from the top of the mountain that got lost. But guys, this was like, this was a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. Like, I haven't right. talked to him since then. So it's not like every time we get together, this dude's messaging me. Sure. No, but just notice the clues, right? Like I keep telling people like life is the psychedelic, dude. Life, you have kids. You, you have kids, you go through a labor. The very first psychedelic experience I ever had was the first labor I ever went to, which was my firstborn son, right? And like 56 hours of labor in a hospital and you're just, you're the helper, you know? Can't and like imagine, man. the only like way out, around. dude, the only way out is through, right? The, like you can do this, you are doing this, right? Yeah. This yeah. is coming out of your body. Labor is why men are so hungry for psychedelics because we don't have labor we don't this doesn't happen quote you in, on that in our bodies the same way no i've heard I've, I, that's not my idea that's i've heard other people talk about it right it's it it's one of our rites of passage that we can self-induce because we don't have the built-in rite of passage of a a menstrual cycle of a of that sort of pubescent scenario that they go through that women go through we don't have we don't give birth we're not the bearers of life we didn't get that gift we're here to support that um yeah. but that uh we have i think and and just to be very uh sort of generalizing of it all we as men i think do have to and we've had these discussions between us but we have to impose these sort of um rites of passage that we go through to have an experience that draws the authenticity and the the rawness and the all the ness out of us um because we don't we're sort of bereft of that in modern society we don't mm. those things are not plugged in and in many cases um quite the opposite you know of, of, yeah. of the monotony is plugged in um so I think that's, a, I mean, I've been real clear about that recently, even in talking to people, you know, like my parents or whatever, that are obviously not in this world that we're talking about. Um, and, and saying that this is just, 
yeah, that's this is this is part of this part of my work. This is my spiritual work. Um, anyway, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a lifestyle as well. So how does how does that concept play into when you're in a space with Mother Ayahuasca and you are there as support in the masculine forum? What do you think the relationship is there in your experiences? Does it mm. feel similar? I mean, I have well, no experience of being with someone who went through labor, and I, I understand the support aspect of it, though. It's like that it, I can. It, I'll, I'll, for me, like the 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 moments that I was like in support were very small in comparison to the moments that I was like on the like ride or whatever. Like I want to, I don't want to say on the ride, but like it was just it, the movie was playing. Like I was like, it's like I was suspended in an emotion. Like oh, <laughs> you know, it's like to me whenever yeah. I like whenever I have a puff of DMT. God damn, and then DMT. It just feels like the whole world goes, and it's like, oh no. Yeah. It's like that, and it's suspended. With ayahuasca, it was similar, suspended in this, like, in, in sometimes like, oh no, and sometimes like, oh my God. It felt like something was screaming <laughs> in my head, like this long voice of, of like, but it would be, and I, like, I kind of had visions, but not much. It was like, it was stories. It was like a, it was like a, um, you know, it was like a still, but moving story, like a scene from a movie, like, this is the revelation. Your wife is the temple to the feminine. <laughs> like, whatever, you know, like, whoa. <laughs> like, you know, if you get into the, oh, I didn't mean to cut off your, oh, your go, rant go. there, but if you, if you get into hero with a thousand faces or Joseph Campbell, you know, he, he's, he sometimes talks about in the hero's journey as a man, you're always constantly working towards the evolution of eventually concepting with your mother, right? Not your physical mother in this world, but the, the, the imagery of, I don't know what the right word would be as, as a boy, you're growing into the hero's journey. And like your goal is to, to conceive with your mother, like to, to find this mother figure that you came from and then conceive, help them conceive. Um, and then at the same time, you were working to murder or, or overcome your father, mm -hmm. right? To become your equal and then over, like surpass your father, which is always an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I, you, go ahead. I was just going to say, that feels very Freudian, yeah, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it can. I, in my ayahuasca experience, it was always very much, um, she was holding me, right? It was a very ex pleasant experience for me. It was very beautiful, moving. It was a lot of support. It was a lot of love. It was a very motherly figure to a son type figure that I was showing up for. So I know a lot of people have these, these like really traumatic, um, very suffering type of ayahuasca experiences. And I'm, I'm curious to hear more about both your angles as we mm. get into this, but I, we were like, you know, 40 minutes in and having it really even ping pong, ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> so so I want, brought, what do you want to hear about? I want to, I want to go back to Jared and hear about his experience. Cause we both haven't heard it yet. Right. We haven't talked yeah. about this. I don't know. Maybe if you guys had a private conversation, but no, not yet. I, I would yeah. like to hear. Yeah. About what, what Jared experienced if there was transformation or, um, yeah, get, just get in, get into it, get into it. All right. <clears throat> well, I, I think 
I found it easiest when processing through this to kind of separate sort of the physical experience and the setting and, and that jazz, um, like the, the actuals that happened versus the downloads that I got from it. Uh, which I was the man on the hill and it was me. It, it was me. Oh my God, it's hilarious. The, 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 the two of you remember me. that. <laughs> that was when I was blasting off from Mexico in the middle of my actual trip that I was texting you guys. And you were tripping too, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't yeah. remember now at this point. Yeah, we took, yeah, we took a little, yeah, we took a little an LSD. LSD and, yeah. And yeah. I'm in Mexico on boomers and, and DMT, vast amounts of DMT with, with Clayton. And going through that whole thing. And yeah, I remember that scene. I, I what, what was it? I, it's in my journal, but yeah, I, I was, I, I saw myself the man out in on the, the ocean. hill is me. I saw myself out in the, the ocean looking up at this fucking, like this guy on the hill on the cliff and thinking, oh, like, what's that guy's life like? This enlightened one and whatever. I, I and as a kid, I'm out here in the ocean, like looking up and thinking, oh, that, I wonder what it's like to be that guy, to go through that journey, to experience those things, to know those, and then having that revelation of, holy shit, I'm myself looking at myself on the hill. Uh, <laughs> so I had one of those moments. <laughs> the drawing sure was epic. Every once in a while, reality. The drawing. <laughs> Every once in a while, reality folds itself back over itself. It's like it's kneading, like a sort of thread. There oh, it yeah. is. The drawing the right in front of me. Look, the big roar on the, the left. Roar. I remember that too. Yeah. Well, the big thing that I took from that, which I also took into my ayahuasca journey, by the way, was I came here to be. Don't forget mm. that. To be mm. all that I mm. came here to be, you know, to stand in my power, you know, all those, all these things that I, I even wrote little things like subliminally, like, hey, don't get distracted. <laughs> all this stuff that, that came to me in this. And, and that was, yeah, from that journey. By the way, this, my ayahuasca journey was heavily connected to my last journey which I didn't really had that experience before. Um, it was literally like a continuation of my journey in Mexico that I was just, that you, you guys were referencing there. Um, anyway, I, in the, the experience with Aya, I had this, so, so on the, we were there two nights and, and then the full kind of the, the half day on Friday, we drank Friday night late and then throughout the night, uh, we were in ceremony. It was basically like nine, 10 hour ceremonies, um, both times, both nights. Mm -hmm. And the, um, you know, the, the, the music and the ceremony around it was again, a very, very big part of the journey for me. It was not just being in the, in the clutches of mama ayahuasca. It was, it was also just that, that set there in the setting. Um, I, you, you have, we had three rounds of pouring or drinking. Um, we had, you could take a small, medium, a large. I went full tilt boogie, all three rounds full. <laughs> full. Um, of course, of course. <laughs> she, she looked at me, the, the shaman at one point, she's like, are you sure? And I said, Hey, I'm here. <laughs> I came all the way here. <laughs> wow. Let's do it. Wow. Um, so I did, I did all three that night. And then the, the next night, the, the same. Now the first night I had, almost no psychedelic experience at all on uh, none. Uh, there was no visuals. There was no nothing. I was getting download after download and writing in my little journal here that I was just showing you. Um, and that was amazing. I was in a 
significant, I mean, uh, not significant comparatively to a lot of my other things in life, but I was in a reasonable amount of pain just, or suffering kind of going through the feelings or whatever. And I purged once or whatever. And that was it. I thought, well, there's a round with ayahuasca. Cool. I got some good downloads. Wasn't much, you know, whatever. The second night, um, I began to have a new understanding of ayahuasca. <laughs> Always the <laughs> Holy second night. shit. <laughs> it was literally night and day. It was like I hadn't done it before. <laughs> um, now, what I did understand, and I want to point this out as a thing, because it's been a thing for me. Um, I recognized, not, not even at that point, but later on, that ayahuasca in this vine, this juice that's in my body, I, I recognize now is not something that just went in me and came out. It's an entity that is within me forevermore. And I feel it and I dance with it. And I, I also have the tincture of the vine. Um, uh, uh, what is it? The Mama Sagrada, the, the uh, sacred mother. Uh, it's this, so you can microdose it. Throughout. Yeah, I just put a couple drips under my tongue. Now it doesn't have the, um, uh, what's it called? The leaf, chikruna. Uh, I can't. Chikruna. Th- yeah, thank you. Um, it doesn't have the chikruna in it. It just has the ayahuasca vine, so it's not. It doesn't mm. have the psychedelic as- aspects of it. But I'm, I'm doing that, and I feel that relationship with ayahuasca continuing. Mm. I feel that it's in me. I feel that I can go into my in my other meditations and even my my relationship with cannabis and so on, and getting into that space and connecting again with the vine and with that that mother spirit. And I feel like I am walking with her now. And it's interesting because I, I started to have some of that feeling about a week before I went to the ceremony. I feel like it was just literally the moment I said yes to her, <laughs> she started working in me um, before yeah. I ever got there, before I ever went into it, you know, during my diet, uh, during my, you know, my abstaining, you know, for, for four days of, of cannabis. And, and all of that was working in me at that time. And I, and I, yeah, I feel like now the next time I go and do it, I'm, I'm connecting with where I left off. I'm not starting from ground zero ever again. Uh, it's, it's always there. And it is a kind of an incremental relationship and build there, I think. Um, so that, that was one side of it. I, I felt that, okay, so on the second night, I went, and I was in the middle of my, or at the end of what I thought was the whole gig. And I had, I had had, you know, a lot of puking and shitting, um, both ends on, the, on the second night, pretty violently, you know, and then oh, I'm yeah. in the, oh, the, yeah. the, the composting toilet that had been converted from an old porta potty and did not mm-hmm. smell wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm out there in that, you know, just <laughs> holding onto the walls and um, going out both ends, mouth and ass, and which I hear is a gift from Mama. The Ayahuasca. double dragon. That's what the we double got. dragon. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I remember so, being in the toilet, and then I was like, oh no. And I looked over, and someone had like a, there was a bucket there in the bath. I was like, thank you. Lucky you. <laughs> I just had somehow had the presence of mind to take mine with me. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm sure and, I was supposed to, man. 
Well, I, 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 I only did, I think, because I was about to puke as I was holding my ass running out of the door. <laughs> but um, I, I went and it, but mind you, I'm in the middle of the fucking desert when that happens. By the way, Chase, you'll want to be mindful of that when you're there. <laughs> um, but like you, you have to like think like, okay, I've got to get out there <laughs> to the place. I can't yeah. just go here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so going through that and then being in there, you know, just writhing in this pain and suffering and whatever on the crapper and every time my eyes are closed which is most of the time and when you're in that kind of situation you're not eyes open and every time my eyes are closed i'm surrounded just all up against my body slithering around these snakes everywhere and every time a face comes into my vision it's got a snake coming out of its mouth or there's this whatever i mean everything with snakes <laughs> so snakes go so snakey bro go snake so and, snaky, my everything's been snaky since, mm-hmm. and it's been years. Oh yeah, I've never it's had such a relationship with snakes as I do now. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Well, snake is transformation, that. right? It's circle of light. The snake that does not shed its skin will die. Right. The snake sheds its skin. Snake sticks its neck out. Right. Snake moves oh, yeah. fucking silent, silently. Death from above, 1969, right? Like the, the birds come at the snakes, right? So it's moving really silently. It's super good at blending in with its environment. It, I think it must, obviously it has the tongue thing, so it's smelling really good. I think it hears really. I don't know really yeah. good, but like it would know, it has to know if it's making leaves crunch, right? It has to know as it's going through. I know because I've spent a bunch of time in this field uh, out here in the wilderness of California. And it's just like, it, like there'll be some times when I'm sitting there meditating going like, there is a fucking snake behind me. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, dude, you're freaking out. Chill out. And I'll be like, well, let's just turn slowly and be cool about it. And it's like, <laughs> there's nothing there, but you just like on the <laughs> astral plane, there's <laughs> something sniffing at you. Well, the interesting part about that too, the snake bit, just to take a tangent there for a second, in DMT land, you know, that that sort of part of the aspect of ayahuasca. Um, in ayahuasca, everything was a certain array of colors or spectrum of colors of browns and blacks and grays and things of that nature. Um, and not, I didn't really branch out of that color spectrum. Now, in DMT... Um, and again, that, that Mexico trip, just like maybe two months ago, um, that particular round of DMT was significant. Like we, uh, I think I said to you guys, but, but we went, we went heavy and we went in like six times in one day of mm. heavy, heavy pulls off the bong. Mm. Uh, and then we had a little rolly out there that I took on the cliff mm. and you know, me, I'm <laughs> chiefing on a spliff. It's, you know. It's a, natu- it's a natural part of my being. <laughs> um, so I'm doing that with the little Deemster and, and oh my God, I, I went through another, I was, I, I was at that point commanding the universe with my hands <laughs> in my mind. Um, but it was amazing. But when I get into that space and, and, and some of the most significant moments in DMT space, I, I was inside this like womb of the snake, but the colors were like, you know, parrot colors and, and, and all the, like the, Mm. uh, what's his name? Gray that, that, that does the Alex Gray, Alex Gray that does the, all that stuff that like that, it was that spectrum of colors, but all snakes. 
So this DMT, all snake world, full color and DMT. And then in, in ayahuasca, it was like the other end of the DMT snake. It was the, the one that was snapping and biting at me. As where in, on DMT, I was in like this belly of love, like just covered and drenched in this unconditional, deep, deep love. Um, so it was a very different <laughs> end. Of, it was literally the other end of the stick when I was on ayahuasca. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously both, both are uh, just as impacting, but they're very different. Have you ever seen any of Pablo Amaringo's paintings? He was oh, an ayahuasca are... shaman. Yeah, I have. Really, once you've been I'll in the realm and you go back and check out his paintings, it's, I've got a whole big book that my best friend Money Shot gave me. Shout out to Money Shot. Um, <laughs> but it's, you can go in and like actually like, oh yeah, that, you know, what, what's interesting about ayahuasca is people can do it all over the world and they interact with the same entities and beings as opposed to yeah. most other things like psilocybin. It's just completely different. So these same. I feel things. like, yeah, with psilocybin, it's your own shadows. It could be anything. But yeah. With, yeah, you're right. With the DMT, I've experienced that. And with ayahuasca where it's like, oh shit, we're all seeing the same scene or a yeah, similar aspect of the scene. Yeah. So when you look at his paintings, it's like, oh my God. Like I met her, I've been there. These like, I remember coming out of the ceremony I was in money shot started drawing these little like alien looking UFO things. And he's like, these, every time I'm in there, these things are here. And, and then when we started going through Pablo's paintings, they're all over the place, the exact things that he drew and he had not seen those paintings before. So that's that kind of thing. It's like, you're entering into this, this plane that's, you know, it seems to be pretty consistent whether we're dipping in and out of it or not. So I, I really love the link to that. Do that. Yeah. I really love the, just recognizing that like there is this thing that we've entered into. We're seeing similar things in, in a way that's inexplicable. I love that. Um, and, and the other is the communal vibe. Like we're having these things that happen to us and then similar reactions or responses or timings or, synergies and all this stuff. And, and, and again, like the, you know, the interconnected discussion is big for me uh, for lots of reasons. But when I get into the psychedelic realm and then start sharing these stories, it's like, oh my God, like we're way more interconnected. Even every time I notice another level of, of interconnection. Um, yeah. And that, that I, I sort of live for that stuff. So it's great. Mm. Mm. When you were in the ceremony, what was the deepest part of the suffering that you went through? I was in that third round of the, of the second night. Um, and and I, I really thought that I was finished and Aaron was sitting beside me. He was totally out, totally, you know, straight sober at that point. Uh, was going to go outside and look at the stars and whatever. And, you know, it's probably four in the morning or something. And I was <laughs> like, all the time up to that, I had a certain kind of experience. And then at that point, three, four o'clock in the morning, I was in the throes of it. Like I had never experienced ayahuasca ever in any way. It was so vastly different in my third, my third pool there. Mm. Um, you, know, you know what? I should clarify. I didn't take the third pool. I was sitting there in my second, you know, swing 
full into it pain-wise and suffering-wise, but not necessarily psychedelic vision-wise. Mm-hmm. I didn't have much of that still. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take the third round. I'm here. I want to do full surrender. I want to go all in. I'm going to take the third round. And somehow I got in my headspace somewhere and I missed it. Uh, and, they, and, and then the next thing I know is she's saying, okay, we've closed the ceremony for tonight uh, for the drinking part. Now, then they had like three or four more hours of ceremony. And I thought, well, shit, I missed it. Oh, well. Um, and then like 40 minutes later, which is about the time it would have kicked in had I taken it. I, I, I can't explain how vastly different it was from what I had experienced up to that point. Mm-hmm. I literally, I remember at one point we were sitting on a mattress and I, I, at that point was, I had gone into the pillows and underneath the corner and like inside between the wall and the mattress, like trying to, I don't know where I was in some damn snake or something <laughs> somewhere, but um, like I was in another realm. I was kind of there. I could see kind of what was going on around me, but I couldn't hear everything going on around me. I couldn't function properly. I was in this I had a moment there was almost that kind of feeling like when you're on, you know, when, when combo first hits you and you're like, Oh my God, my entire, yeah. my innards are on fire. There's a lot. I just pass body. out. So. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> um, well, I, I, I puke my brains out, but um, I was well, in that, that too, space. But first I passed out. Oh man. Yeah. I know what you're um, talking about. Yeah. And it's, and I was just like burning inside and, and Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, I'm going on a real ayahuasca journey now. <laughs> it's like I had that moment and, and I went deep. And it was, I asked Aaron, obviously you don't have a whole lot of association with time at the time, but um, I, he, he said it was about an hour and a half or something that I was in that space. Um, and, you know, it felt like 10 years. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was deep, it was heavy, it was painful physically, emotionally. It was constantly trying to get out of my head and trying to navigate the journey and, and instead saying, I don't want to navigate this journey. Damn it. I want to surrender, surrender, surrender. And then a few, at a few moments where I was saying that, like, I'm, I'm, I surrender, uh, Mama Ayahuasca, I surrender. And I slipped out into other realms I don't quite know how to explain um, mm-hmm. during that time. And I had some big downloads. Um, I had some, a lot of, like, stripping down of my probably ego, I guess. And, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was getting back to, for me, a lot of the, the everything belongs scenario. I I wrote out my statement of faith recently for my kids in light of some things going on in my life. And I wanted to be really deliberate about how I speak of my faith to them. I had a conversation with a friend of mine that's a Christian and I said, what is your faith in? And that, <laughs> that prompted a lot of discussion that he didn't have a whole lot of answers for, but it made me think that I wanted to do it for myself. So I said, look, I, I believe three things. I believe in a benevolent universe. Things are working towards good. I do believe that despite our current presidency and so on. I also believe that everything belongs, everything, especially when I can't explain it or fathom it or when I've come out of some bullshit human trafficking situation in Congo. And I have to say everything belongs. That's really fucking hard. Um, but I do believe everything belongs. Everything's working towards good. And then the third one is, um, I believe our, we're here. We exist to choose love over anything that may stand against it. 
So as I'm in any journey or anything in my life, I'm always weighing it up against those, those tenets of, of my faith. And the big one that was hitting me was that everything belongs. There was this coyote joker in there. I called him coyote because he represented coyote energy to me in the Lakota sense, the trickster. Um, but I also know well enough to know that the trickster is there, the coyote is there to prompt you, not to hurt you, not to, there's not necessarily that agenda there. It's, it's to mix you up. It's to prompt you. It's to confuse you. It's to open you. It's to whatever. So I used that guy and, and I wanted to punch him a few times for getting in my face and all voodoo like and all the shit that he was doing to me and touching me and pressure points and like setting my arm on fire basically with, with these pressure things. It was excruciating. Some of it. But he was doing all this stuff while I was in ceremony. And I thought, what the fuck, man, this doesn't belong. This doesn't belong. And then I caught myself and I was like, everything belongs. What if you could imagine that this belonged to what would open up for you? Um, what about that guy over there that you don't particularly connect with? You know, that guy belongs. What about, there were some other situations that I don't feel like I should say because I don't want to get anybody in trouble legality wise and all that, whatever. But there was other things going on in the room that I was like, that doesn't belong. I don't want that here. Mm. And as I'm in the throes of this uh, experience, I started asking myself, what if you could accept that that belongs to, what if that did belong and what, what kind of experience could you have if you release the energy of that doesn't belong and you just flowed like we were talking about before. Um, and every time I surrendered deeper, I got, I don't know. It's like this download of power. I don't know how else to say it, but it was like, it was like I was playing a game or something. And every time I'd surrender at another level, I'd get more points. You know, it was like, I'd surrender more and then I got more of this feeling of self-confidence, of, of compassion for others like I've never felt before, which is big for me as a you know, humanitarian. I've, it's not like I'm short on compassion or empathy. Um, that's sort of my debatable. thing. That's debatable, dude. As an activist for a long time, you're, you're basically, I think compassion might have like a, might be a limited resource <laughs> at a certain point. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like, you're, you know, you know, you've seen it. You've seen lifetime activists that are just like bitter. Well, you right? guys have seen me in that space too. And I mean, a lot of my psychedelic journey, my, you know, previously moving to Costa Rica for a couple of years, all that stuff was to come off that horse because yeah. I was bitter. I was a raging animal at that point and, and coming out of Nairobi in the end there where I was just like, don't get in my fucking way. I will eat you. <laughs> I'm so fucking angry. I might be vegan, I've seen. I will eat you. Is, <laughs> I'll make an exception. And that's, and that's when I met you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I was very, very ragey at that point um, because of, yeah, well, lots of things. But anyway, I, so back to the ayahuasca. Yeah, I, I really, I had this moment of, or many moments rather, I guess, of deep, like, human, I don't know, it's like this deeply human experience that I hadn't really allowed for before and connecting with others that I guess was only made possible through my willingness to really embrace the idea that everything belongs. Like if I could really do that instead of being judgy about this particular situation or person or moment or the way that thing went down or whatever. And again, I mean, it, it feels very, I'm sitting here wearing an Alan Watts shirt, but it feels very Zen, you know, to me to be able to have that, that Zen response 
in the throes of anguish, <laughs> in the throes of uncertainty and all the other crazy shit that I was going through. Um, I was grateful to have that, I don't know, to toe that line, I guess. Mm. I don't know. There, there was so much that came up, but yeah, in that third round or, or again, I, it's like I didn't take it. I didn't take the third round, but I feel like I totally got it. Like mm. Mama Ayahuasca said, even the timing that 40, 45 minutes later, that yeah, it hit right. me was the same as if I had taken it. It's like the same release time. It was really interesting because I thought, I questioned, like, did I take it? Did I get up and take it? I don't remember now. Mm. Anyway, I asked Aaron. He's like, no, you did not. But um, it was clear that you were in it because um, yeah. then I was, yeah, I was totally gone for the first time. And the whole, like, you know, I'd been there for 50 hours or so. And, 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 and at that moment, then I was in the clutches. Then I was really going into the deep stuff after all that buildup. Yeah, there's yeah. an in interesting intelligence with that medicine that activates in particular ways throughout time and space mm -hmm. when it needs to. I mean, mm -hmm. my whole first day, I drank four times, all four rounds, full amount, and I had no effect psychedelically. I didn't even vomit. I sat there in this meditation while everybody else was down hard. Second yeah. day comes around, I drink one time and I am face down before anyone's even yeah. done drinking in the circle. Mm. So, you know, yeah, she's I, working I, with everything I'm individually. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it is an individual thing. Like, I, I, you know how with, with DMT or with mushrooms and, and probably a handful of others, maybe uh, uh, peyote and things like that. But with the, with the first two, DMT and and mushrooms, I know that I can take any individual and say, look, here's about what you're going to go through. Probably I can give you kind of a little trip, uh, kind of map to say, here's some things you're going to feel. Here's kind of the timing that things are going to kick in all that kind of stuff. When it's the ayahuasca, I mean, again, I've only done it once. I'm by no means an expert. I would not feel comfortable predicting anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> Just like go in, surrender and good luck. Hang on. Um, it's very, very personal in your experience at the same time that you're going through this very communal kind of influence from all the people around you as well. It's a very complicated bag. I like that. life is a life is just a continuous series of letting go until the greatest letting go of all. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. We call them Alan flowers, quote. but they're really yes. one organism. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, get this. Okay, so Sersha, for those of you listening, my eight-year-old daughter says to me the other day, so daddy, do we ever wake up? When do we ever wake up from the dream of life? You can tell I've been teaching her Toltec principles. <laughs> um, and I was like, whoa, that was a big one. That was while we were on a hike in Tecolote Canyon over here the other day. Um, and I said, uh, I said, well, baby, you know, we transition, you know, at the end of our life here. And, and she said, oh, is that when we wake up? And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> but I just thought like, what a, what a moment to have with my eight-year-old on a hike when she's yeah. asking these questions. Uh, but it also, hey, again, so cool. kind of a reminder to me, I mean, to remember that we, as the Toltec say, you know, we are living in the dream. Um, that perspective really changes my relationship with time. It changes my relationship with other humans and, and my interaction with the world and things like that. To know that, uh, it keeps me very, very present, I think, knowing that. Mm. Anyway. Mm. Thank you for sharing, Jared. Yeah. Thank you for caring enough about me to be honest. 
Oh, I remember that. <laughs> Chase and I have been through psychotherapy together. <laughs> it's a kind of have you? It's a kind of psychotherapy. Well, I, I I was in it. He was a part of it. Yeah. Oh, I was, I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Well, can I speak a little bit about the ayahuasca? My yeah, my, yeah, little bits. Yeah, dude, for sure. But as you're talking, a couple things have come up for me. This goes back to that rite of passage thing. Um, uh-huh. There, there are. I think you know our stories that are that that we've been imbibing as like you know if you're a Westerner listening to this and all of us boys are, as kinky as we might be, we're still Westerners. Oh. So, <laughs> so it's. Uh, it, it, listen, man, every story in the world is it, not every story, but almost every story in the world and especially all the marketing stories are concocted so that you can realize that you are the hero, right? You need to be the hero, right? What is Joseph Campbell's book called? Like the hero with a thousand faces. What is the path called the hero's journey, right? It's, there's something magic about this idea of being a hero to us. And very few of us, uh, at least in my life, I I didn't have many opportunities to actually be a hero. You know what I mean? Like, like I wasn't actually heroic in a lot of times in my life. I, maybe there, maybe there's where I have regrets that I wasn't more heroic or maybe there just wasn't opportunities to be the hero. But regardless, like, you know, we, I think our souls crave that feeling because we have it pushed at us so damn much through movies, every single movie, basically, through marketing messages, you know, uh, which, are, which are ubiquitous. And psychedelic journeys, plant medicine journeys, I'll say psychedelic or, or you know, altered states, entheogenic journeys like this, provided me a little bit of a moment in my life to be able to do something heroic, right? Not that I was saving kids from a burning schoolhouse or anything, but I was going into my own brain, my own guts, you know, and, and I was surviving and I was doing something that I was, I was scared of. I had a lot of fear about, or I, I, I had to be brave to do it. You know, um, I'll first say that. And then second of all, one of the things that has real, like we were talking about the snake, you know, and there's like so much snaky stuff uh, afterwards and during potentially, but afterwards as well. I feel like the ayahuasca journeys more than more than anything else. I did not experience this. I do not experience this with uh, with really deep cannabis or or tobacco or LSD or psilocybin containing mushrooms or anything like that. Um, there was there has been such a fierce like remembering. Uh, or reconnection to nature, right? To just like nature itself, to like the natural world. And I think there's something particularly nature-y about the way that ayahuasca is is administered, um, or it should, maybe it should be, I don't want to should all over the place here, but the way that it maybe should be administered. Um, For me, there's something very fiercely natural about this particular medicine. Like it's a vine that doesn't actually contain much in terms of a psychoactive substance at all, right? It does have some, it does have some, like you're, you're going to, you're going to notice some, some things, but it's when it's mixed with 
other DMT containing plants. It's this alchemical thing. These mushrooms, they grow up. You've got, and you've got them right there and you just chomp on them and it's in you, right? Like um, cannabis grows and you've got the buds. And the, but this ayahuasca has to be combined with other stuff to have the kind of medicine journey that, that has like evolved out in, in Peru and, and maybe, maybe elsewhere as well. Um, so there's something like, there's just something that there's something naturey about ayahuasca to me. And I'm personally very grateful, uh, for like a kind of a, like I, trees are just not the same to me afterwards. Like maybe it's cause I was just too much of a kinky little boy before, but like, I just wasn't, I just didn't, I just didn't have like a real nature story in my life. You know what I mean? I was raised in like a upper middle class, like go to the mall, like, new shoes first day of school kind of world <laughs> you know it wasn't it wasn't like tend the fields and like ancient grains we're keeping this seed alive you know <laughs> it wasn't like the stuff that is that has become more interesting to me now right um by the way they, they found a thousand year old shaman's kit a shaman bag like wrapped in leather. I think I might've sent it to both of you guys. Uh, it's got a couple of tobacco snuffs, a couple yeah, like so snuffs. Cool. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it has like res trace residues of, of some Bufo, the, the five MEO DMT, like frog stuff. I think some ayahuasca, like, uh, like harmines. Am I getting that right? Something like this, but residues from ayahuasca and, and Bufo and, and this, some snuff boxes and stuff it, it, and a headband, by the way, <laughs> a headband, dude, thousand year old headband. This guy was, was, uh, you know, like it made me want to, it really made me want to find the headband personally for whenever I enter into, into spaces, I guess. But I found my old notes from my first night of ayahuasca. And I kind of like was looking at him a little bit while you were talking, Jay, hearing some of the things kind of like hit as you were, as you were saying things. But this idea of taking notes, uh, this idea of being able to remember some of this, like what I actually did was it wasn't until after the ceremony that I went back and sat on the toilet and tried not to uh, let scorpions get at my feet in the little jungle town that I was in. And I like just sat on my phone and I, and I had, I have this note app that I use and it, uh, I was just, I was just making notes, man. I was just taking so many notes and writing everything down. And, um, so, and it's, it's actually, it's quite nice to go through this, even though a lot of it doesn't make much sense at all, you know, I mean, some of it makes a lot of sense, but some of it's like, but these kinds of notes, like Jared, you're talking about getting downloads and writing notes just for anybody like starting to enter into these or, you know, probably a lot of people are very experienced listening to this podcast. Probably, probably a lot. I know that a lot of people, a lot of my friends think I'm kind of crazy, but also are, are secretly interested in these things as well, because, you know, they listen, they see the documentaries or they hear the things or whatever it is. Right. So there's, there's so much interest in this stuff. And I'd be curious to hear Jared from your perspective, like, and you Heath as well, since you both have so much experience with this stuff, like what, if you had to give a very short bit of advice to people, like what would be on your short list? of advice. I mean, Jared, one of the things I heard from you is like, you know, like something around the line, I was like, sit down, shut up and surrender. <laughs> you know, just like getting to those new levels through surrender. But like, I'm curious from both of you, what would your like advice to people at any stage of this be? I think one, 
ayahuasca will call you if if you're ready to work with her. Do not go search Google looking for a space for it. If you're open to it and she wants that relationship, she'll figure out a way with you to make that happen. And then at that point, you'll have no question that it's the right place because you're letting your heart and your intuition guide you to the right spaces. Like, don't um, trust Google. Trust that weirdo friend who's like, hey, do you want to come to an ayahuasca ceremony uh, with me? Yeah, like even, yeah, that and just universal synchronicities, kind of signs that show up that make you feel like that's where you belong and that's where you should be. And just make sure that it's not on top of an apartment complex in Miami Beach or something. Hmm. Um, surrender is a huge one also. And I think the other is is extending surrender other than you know, the cleansing, the diet and taking like some severe respect into it. I do, like I was texting you all uh, yesterday, I, surrendering to the idea that you will be suffering and you will be in pain because when you do that and you don't try to fight it, like Jerry was saying, and you just let it go, that's when you're creating space for the beautiful stuff to come back in. As you were also saying, like every time that you surrendered and let go something more beautiful came back into your experience i do firmly believe that the universe is always delivering the least amount of pain possible in order to deliver its highest good in any given scenario that doesn't mean exactly individually but i think collectively so when you're a collective space like you have to be okay with feeling that trauma and that pain and that is not easy to do but that's the only way that you're going to get to a point where you're opening space for new beautiful stuff to come in and blossom. Um, and I think that's, that's probably the most important advice that I would have. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think the, you know, surrender, it's like letting go. It's, it's on all different levels. You know, it's, you can make the big surrender of I'm going to surrender and go on this journey. I'm going to buy the tickets and go and pay for the ceremony. And that's a surrender. And then the sur surrender in the moment, in each little micro moment that you're surrendering in, just like letting go. It's like, I've found for me, it's easier to let big things go. They're sort of finite. Sometimes they're finished, you know, and you can let that go. It's the little things like the argument in the kitchen in the morning, you know, with the spouse, whatever. Like, can you let go of that in the moment, not later on? That's a bigger one. Same thing with surrender. It's like, I can surrender to go do the ayahuasca experience, experience experience but can i surrender in the moment of that pain and agony and, and whatever and go deeper into that so that's a big one uh, constantly just kind of reminding myself to go all the way into that the other you mentioned chase and just in terms of the 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 journal which by the way this is the cr journal that you uh, oh right promoted, on promoted to me and now it's the only one wait, I wait what's the name of it mention that guys mention that what what what, what, what is, is it? it's uh cr-brand.com um, I, 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 it's the wallaby wallet notebook. Yeah. It's and, like a wallet notebook. It's nice. And it's, I, I carry my Costco card and my, uh, <laughs> whatever my other card is there, but that's my Venmo card. I've got my top golf uh, card in here, <laughs> which I had with me while I went to the Iwatsu ceremony. Shaman's name in the back with a number, you know, all this I stuff. get a good discount at the liquor store when I use this card here. So I keep that with me. Um, so in my journal, this is my integration journal, as you guys know very well, because you're usually getting snapshots of it in the middle of my journey. Um, mm -hmm. But that I'm constantly downloading into that often during my journey, which is it makes it hard to read sometimes. But I am 
get capturing those downloads so that I can then begin to integrate them into my life. I found that oftentimes I'm in a state of mind where I'm not going to be good for remembering what happened, but I can at least write it down and then process it later. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very diligent about doing that. I always have my notebook and my pen and I don't want to fucking screen in front of my face to do that. Um, I love Evernote and I use it for everything, but that's after I've done this in my, mm-hmm. my physical notebook. Um, and I, I have that, that relationship. It is a relationship there with that. Um, and that is for my integration because I feel like I, the psychedelic moment is a moment that, that breakthrough is a moment, even if it is an extended, you know, eight, nine, 10, 50 hour experience. But I, I, I recognize that, but then I recognize that what I'm there for is not a moment. I am there for what this will do in the rest of my life in every moment from that point forward. And if I'm uh, wise about how I handle that moment, I can carry that with me, that value that I got from that. You know, I, it's like I'm there puking and shitting all over myself anyway. It's like I might as well be able to take all of the value from that forward rather than just let it dissipate after I'm gone a week from now uh, from this moment. So I want to use that to integrate it. So I have a process. I'm in the moment. I write it down. After that, when I'm fresh out of the, the journey and sort of in that kind of half space, then I'm going to go into it again and write some more notes and sort of flesh out a little bit more what I thought because I'm closer to it. I can still connect with mm. it and get that out there and write it out. And then I'm going to take it in the weeks to come and integrate it into my Evernote stuff, into my mantras, into my meditation, into so on and so on. So it could be six months after a journey that I've had, and I'm still writing out my experience. I'm still, I have half my mantras and stuff today are the result of other journeys that I've had and I've integrated you know, through that integration work. Uh, and I feel like that, I mean, you and I, we all talk about integration a lot, but again, I, I feel like the, the moment of the journey is, is where you kick off, but it's not always where I get all, all this stuff, even on the download stuff, like the knowledge and stuff. A lot of times that will happen like a week after I had the, the psychedelic months, experience or years. months yeah, or years. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, that's what that was telling me. I wasn't ready for that. The student wasn't ready for the teacher, but it came. Um, and now, you know, now my mind may be more prepared for some other reason or because of some other experience that now I can hear it and integrate it and feel it and let it move me. Mm. I feel like the integration part, a lot of that is about allowing it to move me, not just to hit me, but to move me. Never mm. thought about it that way, but that's what it feels like. Well, they most anyone who is facilitating such powerful medicines will tell you that the work begins after the ceremony's over, right? When you, yeah. when you start <laughs> integrating into life and the support system that needs to be in place for that too is extremely important. And that's, that's a really good point to bring up. So I'm glad that you did that. Good question too, Chase. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the, the pieces of advice for me, as you guys were talking or that someone said to me, the, the facilitators there helped me with was just like, Hey, the, you know, there's a say, there's this Churchill quote, right? The, the only way out is through. Right. And mm-hmm. in the context of a, what I like about the psychedelics and plant medicines, there are some things I don't like, but one of the things I do like is 
they are a very different relationship with time. Mm-hmm. They are like, uh, like, so you said like eight to, to nine hours, Jay, for the, for the ceremonies. Right. And that's like mm-hmm. a, you know, cannabis has like it's hour and a half, depending on how deep you're in it. Yeah. There's like, there's so many different, uh, there's just like a different relationship with time. But like the only way out is through, meaning you're going to have to, you're, you're going to be in this time. Like you're not getting, there's no escape from this, right? So this is where the surrender comes from. Like there's no, like you had any other option anyways, right? If you get enough of any of it, like surrender is the only, the only option, right? Which I wouldn't say that I've ever even really had a dose that was like that. I'm in the, anything practicing the surrender, right? Yeah. I think most of the time. But one of the things that, that uh, the ladies that, one of the ladies that, that facilitated my ceremonies were, was like, you lean into the discomfort. You go to the uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Like, like, how, like do you remember, Jay, were, was there any moments where you like didn't want to puke, but you needed to? Yeah. And it's yeah, like, I mean, where, where you're like holding back and then at that, and you're right. Exactly what you're saying. I, I, I was like, is this full surrender, Jared? <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Mm. Um, by the way, the first time that I purged the first night, Aaron and I we were sitting side by side there together. Nothing had happened. Nothing. We're an hour in after we drank an hour, almost right at the dot. And literally at the exact same time, both of us violently <laughs> went to throw up <laughs> exact same time. Um, and yeah. it wasn't because like we were hearing the other one and throwing up. It was literally the same time The people mm. pointed it out later. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were just in, in unison in that, in that moment. Um, but yeah, that, that uh, I, I don't know. I, I sort of imagined at the time that maybe that's how long it took both of us to fully surrender. And when we did, yeah, it was a whole other experience. It's like, I know you that, that was true on. for me. It's yeah. like you hold on to something. It's like, it's like, I, you know, and then, but luckily I had that, that lady's words in my mind, like just lean into the discomfort, go to where you're yeah. most uncomfortable, go in your body, pay, take your consciousness in your body to the place you are literally trying to run from. Right and enter through that doorway. It reminds me of another Joseph Campbell bit where he's telling the story of, um, of, of King Arthur. And it's like, they're having this great feast. And, and just as they're about to sit down to eat all these badasses from all around the, like all around the, the Island or whatever, uh, there's this gorgeous golden vision of this chalice and King Arthur, because he's just this kind of person is like, Oh, now this is an adventure. We cannot eat until we find that treasure. Come, <laughs> friends, let's get to our horses. And then they go out through the field and to the forest. And then he stops everybody. And he says, everybody must enter the forest at the place that looks darkest to them. Mm-hmm. And immediately making it an individual decision, right? And he's like, this, Joseph Campbell's talking about, like, this is how all these myths work. This is something that's in so many of these myths. This sense of the place that looks darkest to you is actually where you enter. And that is that. where the hero emerges from. After That's the beginning of the actual. And so, you know, you're hour in and then now you're, now you're into it, right? Because yeah. once you start that biological process, 
you know, first of all, it's like, it's like any night of drinking. If you find yourself in a situation where you've got to puke, it's like, you're going to be a lot happier after you puke. <laughs> like, it's just going to make, True. it changes everything. And, and the other thing is, is like, dude, we call this in the West, we call that getting sick, but it's really getting healthy. Right. This is something that they said to us as well. These purging, this purging is not getting sick. You're not being sick. You're getting healthy, right? You're getting stuff out. And related to the purge, for me, I noticed in several occasions, maybe all of them, I don't know, but on several occasions, by the time I was purging, there was like a voice in my head, like, get the fuck out of me. <laughs> like there was, yeah. there was something, there was some, something had coalesced, some energy had coalesced into this material that I was getting out of me. And it was like this psycho spiritual, like sort of like, and then, and then that was how that was like the beginning of, of that purge session. And then by the end of it, it had transformed into like, it's okay. You can go now. Right. It, it was like, it was like, I realized what I, what, like what I was, I, I wasn't puking up some, I wasn't purging something that wasn't me. I was purging up things that had served me that I had incorporated into. And I was just like, you, you that's like, a big note. That's important. Yeah, yeah. It was, it wasn't outside of you. It was the things that were already in you that were being purged. That's a, that was a big revelation for me in, in that space as well. It's that self-love, uh, you know, it's like, and also like everything belongs. Right. And this is where yeah. you like the, the guy we both, we probably all know this, this guy out in Nashville named Atana, who I've had, I did like, I coached, he coached with me for a while. And uh, he has this process where he's like, okay, my fear of abandonment, can you hear me? Oh. And then you wait to feel like the sense, like almost like a body sensation, gentle, subtle, very, very subtle body thing of like, can you hear me? It's like, yes, I can hear you. Not in language, but just in the feeling. Please continue the transformational process, right? I forget ex the exact words, but it's a very important way of phrasing it. Not like, get the fuck out, bro. <laughs> not like, you need to get yourself out of here because I am sick of this shit, young man. It's none of that, right? It's like, please, please complete the transformational process. Like, right? Like, th that, was, that was something of the energy of of those purges it, it didn't they didn't start that way it was like so violent coming into it and then it transformed because you're in the purge for a little while like there's at least several seconds and your mind's moving really fast you know once you once you get to the point where you have the bucket you know and and then you get to the point where you're purging it's like there's no stopping this now like you've already here you are and then it takes a little time I noticed that I was sitting next to people who had like, it was their like ninth night, 10th night of ceremony. I was just getting oh, there the last two nights. And these are people who were like, they, they're like, yeah, no, I, I come with this crew. I do this. This is my vacation, right? I come here and I do this. And they have done for several years, it sounds like. And man, some of these people were had such great etiquette. There's a lot of etiquette in the ceremony. You don't talk mm -hmm. to others. You don't touch others. Right, you are going to want to. You're going to want to, as you're like passing someone on the way to the bathroom. You want to be like, "Hey, I love you, brother," which I did at one point. Like, just in my head, I'm like, "I should tell that I guy that I love that. him." Like, what if <laughs> did I look at him weird? Or what? you know, and it's just like etiquette, etiquette, because you're on a physical plane here too. You're right here with with all of us. This is all happening too, right? Um, and so that etiquette in ceremonies really, it's really uh, at least in the group that I was with. I was real. I really responded to the respect that they had for that, you know, and I really felt the like honor 
in that, even as I broke that, like I, I feel so much silliness as I broke some of that. Dude, my, the shaman, <laughs> the shaman was singing some crazy shit in, in my, like he was oh, like man. way deep down. Like, like he would just keep taking it down deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and I was just like, whoa. And at one, at one point I actually moved up to be closer to the shaman. Like I, it was like this, like Messiah complex thing was coming out in me or like this need to be special. And I like moved up closer to the shaman. It was like, as soon as he was done with that, he was like, Beth, <laughs> I knew it. it was like, he was calling the other lady in to like, tell me to go back to my goddamn chair <laughs> to my, to my, my seat. But you do create, you, 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 you're in the liminal, right? Like I had an experience with a scorpion there. Oh that, dude, me too. Really? Hear it. Yeah. Do you want me to share the scorpion story that I had? <laughs> you can't <Yeah>. not now. <laughs> well, it's like a special story. All right. So do some deep cleansing breaths. Cause you know, honor the scorpion scorpions kind of wild, right? It's ancient, real old, lots of old scorpion art in Egypt and stuff like that. Real old critter on this planet, right? Little close to the earth, close down close to your stinger on its back and pinchers up front. What is this thing? So anyways, when I'm checking into this eco-village that was hosting our ayahuasca ceremony, this is down in a, in, uh, in a place in, in a jungle south of, of, of America. And it, um, though as I'm checking in, and this guy's showing me around, he's like, hey, yeah, just be careful of the scorpions, right? So like, if you see scorpions, like, just look for scorpions. Like, look on towels, like, look in your shoes. Like, don't look, just scorpions. There's lots of them. The little ones are the, probably the worst ones, you know? <laughs> so I was just like, a little bit alert and aware about the scorpions. So as you come into the ceremonial space, the Maloka, there is a place you leave your shoes outside, right? I'm, I'm literally, I was in the middle of a three month long, like traveling abroad with my family. I'm wearing a fucking cardigan that I got from Target like 10 years ago when I was in college. I'm wearing a cardigan sweater because it's the biggest, because I'm living in Mexico. I don't have an, you know, I'm wearing a cardigan sweater and boat shoes. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fairy topsiders. How do they even let you in? <laughs> I Dude, I am. They're the, like, oh, this dude's got it coming. I am the Reddit thread on ayahuasca as sad as it, as sad as it is about like tech bros getting into ayahuasca. Like, you know, I see that hand. <laughs> but anyways, I leave my boat shoes, my Sperry top ciders out front uh, where you put your shoes. And when it was uh, time for me to use the, the restroom, after I had gotten used to getting up and moving to the restroom, one of the times, I think this might've been the second night. I was just like, I was going to the shoes and I was just like watching myself, just like, dude, I'm just afraid that there's scorpions in there. Like, right. I'm just like, and I'm watching, I'm like, dude, you realize how afraid you are of that, right? And I'm like, yes, I do realize that. And I, you know, I hit out the shoes and make sure there's no, and get them out, you know, and go to the toilet and do my thing. And as I'm coming back, it is so nice outside of the ceremonial space. It's so peaceful and chill and like, oh God what would it be like to do ayahuasca and just like look at the stars <laughs> Jesus Christ rather than have some shaman just <laughs> just like and he's like taking me into my belly I'm like what is happening to me so I'm sitting out I'm standing out there and I'm like oh this feels nice and like this thing comes through like my the only thing I can exp explain it as like my brain space this like I was leaning on, I was leaning on this, this sort of like, uh, this, uh, 
railway, this wooden railway. And then I kind of got this scare again, like, oh, fuck, is there scorpions on here? What the fuck, right? And then I get this, like, this signal through my brain, like, space, which has happened several times in ayahuasca. And it's like, do you want to talk to the scorpion? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Like, kind of Jared, like, I'm here. <laughs> like, you know? like, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like to talk to the scorpion. And it goes, take off your shoes. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean talk to the scorpion? <laughs> Let's just get clear real quick. You know? Take off your shoes. <laughs> and so, I, anyways, I'm like, you're not going to hear that voice again is one of the lessons that I learned in the second night ayahuasca, but the, the, like I put the, I, so, okay, I take off my shoes and I put my feet on the ground and ayahuasca has some powerful, like muscle relaxing, uh, like components to it. Right. So my foot just feels like it spreads out on the ground on these like cobblestone things, just like, Oh, right? like, you know, and I, this, like I, I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened, but it, basically I get into this conversation with the scorpion. It's like, that's what we feel. That's why we're so low to the ground. I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. But why, like, but why so like aggressive in the way you look? Like why, why do you look that way? And, and he's like, because we protect it. Right. Cause like, cause we like, this is what we protect. This is where, and, and it's a little, and he's he got to the point where he's like, and it's a little bit like our shame. Like in some ways, it's a little bit like this. We all take the form of, of like, of our psyche here. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, this is, it looks ugly or gross to some people. It looks beautiful to other people, but it's like this, they're like, like there, someone else had a vision of a, of a shark and an experience with a shark. And, and it was just this sense of the shark going like, listen, dude, I am, I am an appetite with a mouth and I go through and I clean the ocean. I clean it up. You know what I mean? It's like this, the jobs, the, 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 I look at every, like, again, back to that nature sort of connection to ayahuasca. Every one of these species, we were talking about the snake before. Every one of these species is a thesis statement about what life can be on this planet, Right specifically on they're all terrestrial they're all here right maybe the octopus comes from somewhere else right but like they're like <laughs> here's sure. how you can survive so, on yeah. here's how you can survive on planet earth or here's a form that you can take and there's like an honor and a and a and a um and a respect in each one of these forms right there's a magic and there's a beauty in each one of these forms but like the 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 like the thing that sticks with me most about the scorpion is is Honestly, the thing that sticks with me most about the scorpion is just like, what, what was I talking to? Like, where were these ideas coming from? Right. I had another moment where it was like, I swear to God, there's a Jaguar looking at me somewhere. Like a Jaguar was walking. Like, he was just like, Oh, yeah, who's, Jaguars this? Are... who's this fucking guy? It's like, I literally heard him going like, Oh, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and like, it's like the pillar of the spiritual visitor that you can get is the Jaguar. Well, it was it was very clear from the feeling of it. He was just walking by. It was just like checking and it was out like, that stragtivity, like yeah, <laughs> strag, bro. And a little side D, you know what I mean? But like he, he's he was, it was the sense of like almost like uh like uh, I ended up apologizing on behalf of my species <laughs> to the to that jaguar for for a little bit. I think you know it was like, but these conversations. I'll say one more. The second night. <laughs> 
I was the, our, our crew was very clear. Like, Hey man, you don't want to be lying down. You don't want to be lying down and you really don't want to be in like fetal position. So as much as you can sit, sit up, sit alert, have an alert spine. And the second night I had, I mean, I didn't sleep at all after the first night. I was like, I'm not going to have another, I'm not going to sit with ayahuasca again tonight. And, uh, and then as we got closer, it's like, uh, well, we're here and I've got my boat shoes and my card again. So might as well, I guess I, I felt like kind of called into it. So we did so you're it. In this. I'm in this and man, from moment one after tasting it and then like sit, getting on my mat and sitting and it was just like, as it kicked in, it was like, Oh no, <laughs> it was just, Oh no, for, I can, I don't know how long. Right. I was like, I got a bad one <laughs> for, I don't know how long <laughs> I'm sitting. I'm finally, I'm curled up fetal position and everything's just insectoid, this grinding, chaotic, yeah. mechanical, insectoid, mantis, Mantisy. Yeah. At one point, I wrote wrote a it's note like that was these, like, "I know what you're talking about exactly." And I was, it was just like, "No, God!" Uh, like entranced in horror, almost, or not in horror, but just like in in like, "Oh no!" And <laughs> clear as day, like I said, that that voice, clear as day, I hear like my own voice, kind of in my head, just going like, "You should get up now." <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, I sat there like I was like, what the fuck? It was the first time I heard it. I was like, what the fuck was that? What Did you hear that? What was that? What was that? Like in my head, I was like, what was that? Oh man, I was struck by the phenomena of it. It was, yeah. it was very, it was very interesting as far as phenomena go for me in my head. It felt like, okay. And I knew I'm like, I'm not going to hear that message again. And I still, still wallowed in it for like probably up to a minute or two minutes. Like it felt like an eternity just sitting there in the space between that shit, you know? And then finally I sat up and reason and, and immediately was like, Oh no. I, and then purged and, and the whole evening was completely different after that. That was the evening where I, I uh, talked with the scorpion, you know? So it's like, it was, it's these, it's this, this, the ultimate insight is this going into the uncomfortable to me. Like that's the, that's like life's the psychedelic. That's like, man, the same is true with life and go into the uncomfortable, eat the frog <laughs> as the, as my dad and the other baby boomer business people would say, cause there's a famous book written in eat that the way. Frog. I, I eat use it all the time. Frog. Yeah. <laughs> eat frog. Right. Guys, I gotta I had, jump. I gotta go. I feel like I've, I've wasted all our time and now I have, now I have a, a call at one. Yeah. We're, winding this down. I was just going to say I, I had a, yeah, there was a scorpion in my bed after the ceremony that was related to a scorpion situation that I had in my ayahuasca experience as well. So dudes, all of this brilliant, insane two hours goes by like nothing. Love you both very much. We'll continue this conversation again. You guys can just make this a weekly thing. Yeah. We'll be changing <laughs> the name to never stop uh, right, friendship. <laughs> Never stop friendship. Never stop dragging. Never stop dragging. Well, thanks, buddy. I'm, I also appreciate you doing this interview in your uh, undies. Appreciate that. You're consistent. I like a man that's yeah. consistent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am dedicated. And um, memento mori. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. See you guys. Thanks, Heath. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Love buddy. you, dude. Bye. Love you. Keep it kinky. Mm. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of smiles that will assemble with our minds and sell to Earth. Hello, little boys and girls. This is Todd. And I was just strutting around town in my high heels, doing high heel type of things. Having a little trouble breathing because of all the smoke, but that's not going to keep me down because I am a hot mess. I got a little offended earlier when Heath was talking in the pre-show about, you know, the, the lipstick and baby oil fest, smearing it all over the chest and leaving that print on the back of the record player for the mom to find. Well, how come we can't smear the oil all over the chest with a little bit of lipstick and leave that print on the record for daddy to find? Am I right or am I right? Hmm. All the show notes, heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. As always, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Ass Affirmations Deck. You can find that on Amazon. You can find that on RageCreate.com. If you want a little burst of motivation to kickstart your kinky little day, it'll be right there. And if you get a little second, Todd would really appreciate it. If you leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever naughty other places you've been hanging out around the web on, Well, that's all for now. See you later, toots. Ta-ta!